Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Matthew 24, if you have your Bibles. Hallelujah. You know, we had a great time on vacation. We missed you all. Uh, we had, but we had a great we had a great time in on Jer- I don't I can't say it because we're from New Orleans but Jer- Jersey Shore how they say that y'all know yeah the Jersey the Jersey accent yeah we don't got that so anyway we had a great time it was a great vacation thanks for praying for us hallelujah I've been uh, we those of you that have not been with us. We've, we've been in a series, As in the Days of Noah. Today is our culmination of As in the Days of Noah series. And uh, I'm going to start, actually next week, a new series on, on facing and conquering life circumstances. So make sure that you come. God's made you more than a conqueror. Yeah. It sounds like that's going to be a great message because half of you don't believe it. <laughs> <We're> gonna... <laughs> Amen. God has made you more than a conqueror. Amen. We're, we're responsive. We, we like being responsive. We're Southern at heart, so I apologize if we're, if we're, if we're too, a little too radical. We're, we're just, we just love the Lord. <laughs> we love the Lord, and we're very passionate about it. But today's the culmination of, of as in the days of Noah. And, and I have to tell you, I've been wrestling with this, um, this message. I, it's, it's actually been very tormenting for me. And uh, I, I started studying. As a matter of fact, I refused to study while we were on vacation because the more I studied, the more tormented I got. And uh, I, I studied for a couple of days, and, and I was looking forward to studying, and it tormented me. This message has been absolutely tormenting me, and I'll, I, you'll understand in a good way. You'll understand why momentarily. But if you have your Bibles, in Matthew 24 is where we'll begin have you, ever, have you ever been to a restaurant that you just really, really enjoyed and the food was just amazing? Anybody? Yeah. You ever been? I was just like, slap your mama good. You just, it was good. I mean, it was, that's a, that's a New Orleans term. I apologize. You know, we don't really slap our moms. <laughs> they, mama's in the bayou slap back. <laughs> <laughs> hard. So we don't, we, we don't slap mamas, but it's a term. We went to, you know, we were on vacation and we went to this, the crab trap. Whoo, buddy. They had, they had the best crab, what was it? Crab bisque. Crab bisque. No, the bisque. We brought some back. It was good. It was crab bisque. That's what it was? Crab bisque. It was good stuff. I mean, it was, it was the, am I making you hungry yet? It was the best. Oh man, slap your mom. It was, we brought, we brought, we Oh, man, that was good stuff. I'm just thinking about it right now. I want some. (laughs) Regarding the end times and what the Lord has spoken regarding coming judgment, what we're about ready to read and and dive into is in the days of Noah. 
concerning these things, it's, it's, hard, it, it, it's hard to begin to grasp the reality of what Scripture is saying without the eyes of faith. For me to explain to you in 30 minutes the holiness of God, His righteousness, His judgment in 30 minutes is not, I, I can't do it. It's, it takes a lifelong pursuit of studying the nature and the character of God. And, and it's like going to the restaurant and, and me eating the big old bowl. I can tell you all day long about that, that crab bisque I just ate this weekend. I mean, I had a whole bunch of it. It was good. I broke my fit to live all, all out of whack. But I can tell you how great it was. I can describe the texture. I can describe the taste, the smell, the seasoning. I mean, we're from New Orleans. I can talk. I, I mean, it was, a, it was a, almost like a roux. It was so thick. I mean, it was good. But until you taste it for yourself, until you see it for yourself, you really can't get the full understanding of what I'm talking about. And the same is true of Scripture and the coming days that are ahead of us. I don't know if you realize, but, but we're living in last day time frame. When the Bible talks about the great day and the last day, the last day, we're living in that time frame. Matter of fact... I was, I was reading last night, I was catching up, I haven't read the news all week because, you know, we've been on vacation, and so I was catching up on the news, and one of the first articles that popped up on my news feed was about the, the um, this guy, Castro, who created a report, maybe you saw this, he, he filed a report, Civil Liberties did a, did a three-year study and filed a report on what it, the greatest enemy of civil liberties are in America right now. And he said the terms religious freedom and, and freedom of religion are the greatest enemy of civil, civil liberties there are right now and was attacking, said that the very thing that America needs is to eliminate religious freedoms, religious liberties, because it's attacking all of the, uh, all of the civil liberties that people have right now. So the very core of our country the religious freedoms and foundations that our country was formed on is, is under attack right now. But, but we're not surprised by that. I mean, we're getting ready to read in Scripture where you and I will be hated of all men. Yeah. True Christians and believers will be hated by all men. So it shouldn't come to us as a surprise. We're living in those days. They're upon us. And so for me to, to try to describe to you, I will do my best, and that's why it's tormented me so much, is how do I describe to you, how do I tell you in a way that will grip your understanding of what the Word of God says concerning as in the days of Noah. And so I'll do my best. In Matthew 24, in verse 32, it says, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. 
One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Verse 42, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Thank uh-huh. 
history with me. I want you to just, if we can just go back a, a few thousand years to the, to the days of Noah. I'm sure that you've heard the story of Noah and the great flood. Just rewind with me the times of history. Noah was, Noah was about 500 years old. He had just, he just had three babies, Sham, Ham, and Japheth. And, and, and the Lord began to speak to Noah and said, Noah, there's, there's coming judgment on the earth. I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to destroy man with the earth. Wickedness is prevailing in the earth. And God begins to talk to Noah about coming judgment. You see, we're all this morning, outside of Christ, everyone in this room this morning is on a path to destruction. In John chapter 3, it says this, that if you believe in him, you are not condemned, but those who do not believe in Christ are already condemned. You and I are on a path outside of Christ. We are on a path of sudden destruction. In Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 35, it says this, Their foot shall slip in due time, or the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come rush upon them. There is coming judgment upon mankind, and it, 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 each one of us this morning, every one of us outside of Christ is on this path to utter destruction. It is, it is constantly, continually, perpetually hanging over us without Christ. The reality of coming judgment, the reality of the judgment of God on the sin of man is constantly hanging over us. And some of you are thinking this morning, Pastor, since when did you become a gloom and doom and fire and brimstone preacher? As I said already, this message has tormented me because how do you warn someone of coming judgment? How do you tell someone adequately that their life without Christ is in the gulf, in the pit of despair, in the gulf of sin, and that any given moment, according to Deuteronomy, that their foot should slip? You and I don't know the time. Hebrews says that it is appointed unto men once to die, and then the judgment. We don't know the date book of God. We don't have God's calendar in front of us, but we all know and all have the reality of this that we're all going to die we're all going to stand before God and we don't know the date and we don't know the hour but there is a date in God's agenda in his date book where you will stand before him and at any given moment without Christ your foot could slip and find yourself in the gulf being fully consumed in the wrath of God and the judgment towards sin how do you warn this is what Christ was looking at when he said in Matthew 24, Know the signs of my coming. Know the signs. Know the day. Know the hour in which I'm going to come. I will give you the signs of the season. Like you and I can look around. We just, we just started in fall, the first day of fall. And we can see the trees changing color. We can smell the, the fragrance of fall in the air. It was 40 degrees last night. It was cold. We know the signs of the changing seasons. Even so, we ought to know the signs of the times of His coming. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, that false teachers will come. Many false teachers will arise. There will be many false religions. Many will be led into deception. There will be wars. There will be rumors of wars. Governments and countries will be in conflict with each other. Races will oppose one another. 
There will be lack of food and water. There will be great disease and pestilence. There will be unusual earthquakes and storms, unusual weather patterns. There will be affliction and martyrdom of Christians. Christians will be hated and ill-willed by all ethnicities. Many Christians will fall away and abandon the truth, even betraying their Christian family. False prophets will be declaring false inspirations with signs and wonders. There will be an increase of violence and breaking of the law. These are all things that Jesus spoke of right in Matthew 24, that people will oppose the law. The love of God which warmed the hearts of people will grow cold. Take a look around you, friend. I don't have to go into the news and find all of the stories. It's happening all around us. And Jesus continued and he said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. A few weeks ago, we took a look at the times of Noah and what that meant. But I'll give you a summary of that this morning. We know that there was a great increase of, of knowledge and technological advancement during the days of Noah. They were building and constructing cities. They were making instruments and becoming musicians. They had cattle ranches. I think about all that it takes to sustain a cattle ranch, cattle ranch, all that it takes to sustain a city. They were doing these things. They were becoming experts at metalworks and being able to cultivate iron and begin to build with iron. At the same time of this great advancement and development in their society, the carnality and the depravity of man was advancing. God told Noah that wickedness was great in the earth. The thoughts and the intents of man were continually evil. The earth was corrupt and violent and full of injustice. The society at the time of Noah was experiencing a great advancement in their day. But at the same time, as, as knowledge increased and technology increased, they were experiencing great moral decay and sinful behavior. You see, you can be successful in this life, but be a failure in the next you can have it all in this life. You can be building great wealth and riches in this life, but be absolutely bankrupt in the next. When you stand before God, will you bring before Him the cities that you've built and the successes that you've had? Or will you stand before Him on the foundation as Noah stood? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's our hope. The faith of Noah in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says this, By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. By faith, Noah was being divinely warned of things not seen. Was moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Noah had an encounter with God that changed his life. Noah was walking with the Lord one day. You see, Noah had a relationship with God. Noah wasn't perfect. He wasn't sinless. As a matter of fact, if you go and you look post-flood, Noah was one of the first to sin. He got drunk and was laying naked. Yeah, I say naked funny. He was laying naked and he brought shame upon his family. He was one of the first to bring sin and shame post-flood. He wasn't sinless. Noah was not sinless. God was not looking for a sinless man. He was looking for someone who walked with him. 
today is the same. God's not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking for you to walk with Him. He's looking for you to come into agreement with Him about your sin. That you're a sinner in need of His grace. That you're a sinner in need of His love and His mercy. And God began to speak to Noah. Coming judgment and the way of salvation through it. The Bible says by faith. Faith comes by hearing the message concerning Christ. Romans 10, 17 tells us. Noah heard the message. He heard the word. And faith was implanted in his heart. Faith comes from God. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us that Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. Faith comes from God. You can't work yourself into faith. You can't do enough good works to step into a place of faith. Faith only comes from the message of Christ. It only comes in Christ alone. The problem is, is that many of us don't hear. We can't hear the message. And the ability to hear comes from God. Hebrews tells us today, if you hear His voice, harden not your heart. 2 Corinthians, Paul writes to the Corinthians church and he says, today is the day of salvation. Today if you hear his voice, today if you hear his voice, it's the mercies of God that you're not consumed. If you can hear his voice today, it's God having mercy on you. You see, we're all on this path. I said it earlier of destruction. At any moment outside of Christ, our foot may slip and we find ourselves in eternal judgment. But God peered through the ages of time in the days of Noah. He peered through the pages of history to come. And he saw that the only solution for man, the only answer to the problem of man's sin, was not another sacrifice of an animal. It was going to be the sacrifice of his only begotten son. He peered through the ages of time and said the only way of escape is if I step into creation myself and fix this problem. It's the only way. It's the only way the problem of sin is fixed. And so today, if you hear his voice, understand this, that God has peered through the ages of time into your life. He's looking through the pages of the history that has been written and the history that's to come. And he's saying, I've provided a way of escape for you. You don't have to endure judgment alone. You do not have to endure the wrath of sin to come. I've provided a way of escape for you. That was the message to Noah. That was the message to Noah. The judgment is coming, but I've provided a way of salvation. And Noah was moved by godly fear. Noah was moved. Faith produced fear in his heart. When you and I begin to taste of the divine realities, by faith, it ignites passion in our heart. When you begin to see the reality of judgment to come, I spoke of it earlier. I've been tormented this whole week by this message because I I don't know how to begin to convey to you the realities of things to come. I can only begin to scratch the surface of the realities of the wrath towards sin. Faith produces a godly fear in your heart. Faith will produce emotion in your heart. We're not saved by our emotion. We're saved by grace through faith. 
It's the only way. By grace, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and God spoke and faith came into his heart. But it produced godly fear in his life. You see, you can't separate, even though we try, you can't separate godly emotion from faith. You can't separate godly works from faith. Faith always will produce godly emotion resulting in godly works. Emotion without faith will produce godless works. Maybe you've been there. You've been depressed or discouraged or angry. And what is the result? Without God, you are producing godless works. Good works without faith, good works without godly emotion are only self-glorifying. There's a lot of moral people doing good things, but they don't glorify God. And their lives are not glorifying God. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and the result was godly fear and godly action. You can't say to me, Pastor, I'm born again and live like the devil. You can't say, I'm going to follow Christ and live like your father, the devil. Either you are of your father, the devil, Jesus said, or you've been adopted in. You've been adopted into the family of God. You've had a DNA change. There's no longer the blood of the devil flowing through your veins. You've got the blood of Jesus. You're bearing the name of Christ now. You're no longer of of your past life. You've been brought in by faith through grace. You see, to understand the judgment of God, a lot of times we, we separate the judgment of God from the rest of His nature. How many of you have heard, well, God's just a mean ugly God who's sending everybody to hell. We've all heard it. Maybe even some of you have said it. Well, God's just an ugly God. He's sending. God's not sending anyone to hell, friend. You're on the path already. He's come to pull you off. He's he's come to grab you up by the, the collar of your shirt and rip you up off of that path. And he'll do it aggressively if he has to. Suddenly, you weren't expecting it, and all of a sudden, God intersects your life and knocks you off the path, just like Saul on the road to Damascus. He'll intersect divinely the circumstances of your life and say, it's time for you to get off the road of despair and discouragement and wrath to come. It's time for you to get off the path of destruction. It's time for you to get off the path of the wrath to come and get on the path of righteousness. Get on the highway of holiness. You know, sometimes, sometimes we, we separate the judgment of God from the rest of His nature. We look at His judgment and we, we say he's, he's upset. He's horrible. He's ugly. You know, that's like going to the grocery store, meeting someone in the grocery line, talking to them for five minutes, and leaving the grocery store saying, that's the worst person I've ever met. <laughs> Just because they didn't get the chewing gum that they wanted, they had to throw a fit with their cashier. They're the worst person ever. And we've all done it. We've all been there. We've all been in the place where we've made judgment calls about people that we've only known for 30 seconds. But it's the same with God. We make judgment calls about His character and we've never taken a real look and dive, dove into the realities of Scripture about His nature. 
You see, you can't separate the judgment of God without understanding the holiness of God. The holiness of God, His nature. What does it mean that God is holy? Well, of course, we often say that He is sinless, but it's more than that. He is sinless, but He's perfectly unique. He's above all others. There's none like Him. That is the holiness of God. And the holiness, the perfectness, the completeness, the fact that God is above all others requires justice towards sin. It requires justice towards sin. That the price of sin must be paid. But you can't separate judgment without understanding His holiness. You see, you could take a look at the character of God and say, well, He was the the lamb that was led to slaughter without one word. And that He was. And that is an element of His nature. An element of His characteristics. But He's also the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah. He is diverse in His nature. He is absolutely perfect in all aspects of who He is. And so you have to understand the holiness of God to understand His judgment. In Exodus 15, verse 11, it says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, it says, No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. God is holy at the very core of who He is and all of His other characteristics, all of His other glories of who He is flows out of His holiness. If God is love, which He is, and we know that God is holy, then that means that the holy love of God demands mercy. At the same time that justice demands judgment, His love demands mercy. The extreme diverseness of our God, beautifully wrapped up in in the Godhead. And God looks through the ages of time and says, I will redeem man off of the path of their sudden destruction. The Bible talks about this coming judgment that you and I are facing. Noah's days is just but a glimpse of what's to come. In Revelation 21, 8, it says that it's a fiery lake of burning sulfur. And Matthew 25, verse 46, that it's eternal punishment. It's unending. It doesn't cease. In Matthew 13, 50, it says, Throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. People will be shrieking and crying out, grinding their teeth and the judgment of things to come. John 3, 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Hebrews 9, 27, just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. Mark 9, 48 describes the worm that does not die and the fire that is not quenched. Coming judgment. The wrath of God burning against sin. Pastor, this doesn't make me feel good. It's not supposed to. It's not supposed to. The reality of things to come ought to grip our souls. The reality of the wrath and the judgment to come, it will cause us to realize those around us are in desperate need of salvation. It will cause us to recognize that we are in desperate need of His grace and His mercy. What was Noah's response? When Noah saw the judgment of the Lord, when Noah tasted by faith the realities of things to come, what was his response? He was moved by godly fear and he prepared an ark. 
He built an ark. Genesis 6.22 says, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. And Hebrews 11 verse 7 says, He was moved with godly fear and he prepared the ark. God gave Noah the blueprints. God gave us today the blueprints for salvation. John 14.6 says this, that there is, Jesus said, I am. There's no other way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The blueprint of heaven is laid out before us. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Hebrews, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says this, that there is no other name under heaven. There's no other name under heaven given to man by which you and I must be saved. The blueprints have been laid out. The resources have been given to us by God. Noah didn't save himself. God gave him the resources. God gave him the ability. God gave him the skill. God gave everything to Noah that he needed so that Noah could act in faith. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, it says that Christ has become the captain of our salvation. He's leading the charge of our salvation. He is the only way. He is the one that begins the salvation of your life. He is the one that ends it. He is the one directing its course. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus, who is the apostle, who is the high priest of our faith. Look upon him. He's the one that has come to redeem you and to rescue you off of this path of destruction. Maybe today your, your, your path of destruction, you're trying to find fulfillment in relationships. Maybe you're trying to find your satisfaction in drugs or success in this life. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you're using to find your fulfillment, it's only temporary. It only leads to sudden destruction. It only leads to sudden destruction. But all of a sudden, when Christ pulls you off the path of your despair... When Christ comes and he begins to lay out before you the blueprints of his plan of hope, his plan of salvation. He begins to lay before you the tools, the resources to step into the ark of salvation. Christ is the ark of our salvation. Every blow of the hammer, Noah building the ark, every blow against that gopher wood, was a resounding sound of the realities to come. You and I are to pound away at the plan of salvation. You and I are voices in the wilderness crying out, declaring the Pauline epistles, declaring the gospels, declaring the word of the Lord, pounding away at the reality of things to come. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and it is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are Christ, His workmanship, 
Where, do, where, where does the works, the good works, everybody wants to know where the good works come in. Here's the good works. By grace through faith you're saved and the result is the good works. Noah went to work building an ark because God had foreordained it for him. God knew from the beginning that Noah was going to build and construct this ark, this place of safety. Tomorrow before you wake up and you begin to contribute to the history books, God has already written down in His book everything that you will accomplish. Everything that will happen in your life, He's already written it. And He's not guessing. Isaiah says that He has declared the end from the beginning. He has declared the ancient things from beginning of time. He is not mistaken about the details of your life. He's not mistaken. He's not surprised. He's looking down the road of history of your life And he's prepared a plan of hope and salvation for your life. You know, if we were going to build a road from here, Akron, to California somewhere, wherever, we'd have to know where we were building first, right? We would have to sit down and figure out where are we going to build, where are we going. We'd have to calculate the tools, the resources, and what it would take. Darius, you can come back. You would have to figure out the the tools, the resources, all the equipment that's going to be needed, the financial investment that's going to be needed. You have to know where you're going. I find that many times in life we don't know where we're going. And we get mad at the preacher when he tells us where we're going. I'm a little Siri GPS that's sitting on your dashboard saying, Warning, this road is not good. (laughs) Toll road ahead, it's going to cost you everything. As is, as it was in the days of Noah, Jesus was looking down the history to come. He was looking down the path, the road, the highway to come. has stepped into creation itself to solve the ultimate problem of humanity. See, our problem is not our president. Our problem is not politics. Our problem is not a race problem or that problem or this problem. Our problem is a sin problem. Our problem at the core of our DNA is a sin issue. Every single one of you in here, but by the grace of God, is a sinner. And at some point, some of us in this room had a crossroads. We were walking. And unsuspectedly, the grace of God found us. But Jesus didn't stop there. He knew that his grace was enough for whatever sin or ailment mankind would face. But he went on and he talked 
about judgment to come. He talked about, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. He began to speak of those things. You see, the most tormenting part, I think, of this whole message for me was this. At one point, we, and I'll wrap up with this, I was sitting out, I'd been studying, I'd been reading, and, and I went out to the beach, and we're sitting along the Atlantic coast, and I'm watching the ocean tides just roll in, just roll constantly. And I began to think about, they've been doing this since creation, and they're going to keep doing this until it's all consumed. And I started thinking, I got lost in the reality of this lake of fire. The one tide after another of burning sulfur and anguish and despair. And I started thinking about this eternal judgment on sin. The fullness of the fury of God against sin. And as I was watching these ocean tides roll in, I was thinking not about the ocean tides of his peace and stepping, walking out on the ocean shore. My faith, what Pastor Grace was singing this morning, all I could keep thinking about was the countless souls that have stepped into the eternal judgment of the Lord or those that were on the verge and didn't even know it. And I began to wrestle with this, and I began to wrestle with the heart of God in this. You see, because God is a holy God and He, and he, de he demands justice, but in His holiness is perfect, pure love that demands mercy. And I, I was caught between the judgment, the tides rolling in of His judgment and how they suddenly change and become tides of His mercy, tides of His love. Ocean wave after ocean wave, deep calls unto deep of the mercies and the glories of the Lord. You know, I don't know what ocean wave you're experiencing or will experience today. I pray that you experience the ocean of his love, it's boundless. I pray that you experience in this life the boundless depths of his unfathomable, uncomprehendable love. That you can know, like Paul said, the height and the depth and the expanse of his love. His name is like oil poured forth, the, the aroma you know, we, we got there. We, we, as soon as we drive in, we get out of the car, and I open the car door, and I get out of the car, and I, I miss that smell, the smell of the ocean breeze. See, in New Orleans, we can smell that. You, you can smell it. As long as you're not in the French Quarter smelling the booze. But you can smell the aroma of, of the gulf. And we got out of the car, and I could smell the aroma Bible says that there's an aroma to his love. There's a fragrance to his love. We got, we, we do, we love essential oils and we got myrrh, essential oil. Got it in and I was excited. We, I was put, putting myrrh on. I wanted to smell biblical myrrh. Smell what it, and it, I know y'all are going to think I'm crazy. 
But again, I, was, I felt like I was being haunted by this myrrh. His name is like oil. His, this myrrh, just, I couldn't shake it. Every time I smelled it, I wanted to smell it again because I was equating Scripture, the reality of who He is, the sweetness of who He is, the fragrance of His love. Has it become that real for you? Has God become that real for you? Has your faith ignited godly emotion and godly life style in your life? Is, is the faith of God in you, has, has it ignited in you a passion or has your passion died? Has the, has the fragrance and the sound of His love dissipated somewhere in the distance with the noise of this life. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I could, I could keep going as I talk about and meditate on the love of God. Lord, I thank you for my friends that are here today. Lord, I know that you have a plan and a purpose for them. Lord, how great is the love of God that you have sent the ultimate answer to our sin. You've sent the ultimate answer to the depravity of man. You've provided a way of escape. You've provided a way out of the bondage of sin, out of the bondage of our past. We can step out of condemnation, out of our guilt, out of our shame, and step into your love. Lord, thank you this morning. Thank you, Jesus, this morning that you said as it was in the days of Noah. You gave us signs of the times. You gave us signs of the things to come. Lord, I pray that we'll hear them clearly echoing through the ages of time. Lord, I pray for my friends that are here this morning. Lord, those that know you, those that have a relationship with you, God, I pray for them. Lord, that, that, that the faith that you've put and deposited in their life would only increase. Lord, that the, the faith that you've placed within them would increase. It would develop. It would expand. Lord, that they would know you and see you and hear you, be, become more aware of you and your word by faith. Lord, I pray for my friends in this room that don't know you. Lord, I pray for those that maybe have had a relationship with you in the past, Lord, but somehow have maybe moved away, have grown cold in their passion towards you. Maybe, Lord, those in this room that have never known you, Lord, I pray for them this morning. Lord, that you would have mercy. Lord, as, as we even said, that your love demands mercy. Lord, this morning, that you would have mercy, Lord. That you would reveal to them by faith your great plan. Lord, today they would hear your voice. They'd have an ear to hear. With every head bow and eye closed, no one moving around. If you could stay in your pew just for a few moments. We'll dismiss you momentarily. Please, no moving. Let me ask you this. How is it with your soul? How is it between you and the Lord today? How is it between you and the Lord today? Do you know Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? Does your heart burn for Him? 
Is there a passion in your heart for him? Do you wake up in the morning thinking about the Lord? Do you go to bed at night dreaming about the Lord and his mercies and his greatness in your life? Is there a zeal in your heart for the things of the Lord? David said, zeal for the house of the Lord has consumed me. Do you know the Lord today? Do you know him today? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I I used to know him, but my relationship with him is not where it should be. You might be here this morning and you might say, I've never known the Lord. I've never had a relationship with him. Week after week after week after week, we have people say, I've never known the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I've, I've prayed a prayer before. I've been to church before, but I'm just not really sure where I stand with the Lord. I'm just not really sure where I stand, where things are at. If you fit into one of those categories this morning, I want to pray for you. I want you to know that you know that you know before you leave today that you're at peace with the Lord. You have peace with God. That you are, as Jesus told Nicodemus, born again. That you've experienced the salvation of the Lord. That's you this morning. And you say, Pastor, I want to follow Christ with all of my heart. I want to make that decision this morning to yield to God's plan in my life. Would you just raise your hand with me this morning? Anyone this morning, I want to yield to the Lord. God bless you. Anyone else, just lift your hand up high so I can see your hand. Anyone else, I need to yield to the Lord today. Just lift your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else this morning? I need Jesus in my life. I want to be at peace with the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. It's awesome. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? I need God bless you. I need to settle things with the Lord today. I need to be at peace with God today. I want to walk with the Lord today. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else this morning? We're going to pray together in just a moment. In just a moment, we're going to pray together. But I want to give you an opportunity to yield to the Lord, to let Him change your life today. Today is going to be an awesome new day for you. Anyone else this morning? I need to settle things in my heart with the Lord before I leave today. Anyone else? Anyone else? I just feel in my spirit that there are others. I'm waiting for you, friend. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. Anyone else? What I want you, God bless you. God bless you. I want you to turn to the person on your right and your left. I want you to ask them. How is it with you and Jesus? Turn to the person at your right or your left. Just ask them. How is it between you and the Lord? Do they know the Lord? Do they know the Lord? You need to find that out today. They're sitting by you for a reason. Today could be a life-changing opportunity for them or for you. Don't miss the opportunity. In just a moment, Pastor Grace is going to sing. If you raised your hand, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to come. I want you to meet me at the front. I want to pray with you. If you didn't raise your hand, maybe your neighbor needs to come. I want you to bring him. Go ahead, Pastor Grace. Come on, you raised your hand. I want you to come. Get out of your seat. You raised your hand. Come on. Come on. You raised your hand. I want you to come. You raised your hand. Come meet me. Come on. Come meet me down here. I want to pray for you. Come on. Come on. You won't be by yourself. Come on. There was many who raised their hand. Come on. You raised your hand. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. You need to come. There's others. Come on. 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 Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come on. Come on. There's others. Come on. Come on. Come on. Meet me down front. I want to pray for you. Come on. 
Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Leaders, you come. Come help us pray. Those on the first step team, leadership team, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come on. There's others. Others away from the Lord. You're away from the Lord. Come on. Come on. You're away from the Lord. Come on. You need to give your life to the Lord today. Come on. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Sing it again, Pastor Grace. Come to Jesus. There's others. You're uncertain today. You're uncertain of where you stand today with the Lord. You come. We'll wait for you. Come on. Come to Jesus. Give Him your life today. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus today. Let Him have His way. Sing it again, Pastor Grace. There's someone else. I'm waiting for you. You're hanging in the balance today. You're hanging in the balance. You're unsure. You're unsure. Your heart is unsure. But the Lord is convicting you. He's challenging you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Sing it again, Pastor Grace. There's someone else. I'm waiting for you. One more person. I know there is. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come to Jesus. Come on to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Give Him your life today. I need another leader over here. Come on to Jesus. Come to Jesus. One more time, Pastor Grace. Let Him have His way. We take salvation seriously. Come on to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Give Him your life today. Come on to Jesus. I'm waiting for you, friends. Let Him have His way. One more time, Pastor Grace. Last chance. We're going to close the altar. Last chance. You come. You come. We're going to move on in just a moment. You come. Your life today. Come on to Jesus. Let Him have His way. If you're here at this altar, I want you to look at me. This is the best decision you'll ever make. It's the best day of your life starts today. <laughs> it really does. It really does. We're going to pray together. There's, there's nothing magical about this prayer. It's just talking to the Lord. It's really simple. It's just talking to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need you. I believe that you died for me, that you rose again. And I need you to save me. I need to be born again. So that's what we're going to pray. So I'm going to ask you to pray out loud. Pray so that you can hear yourself. I know that's uncomfortable sometimes. This is your first step in being really bold. Everybody's going to pray together, so you won't be embarrassed, I promise. Let's all pray together. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again. And I ask that you would save me, that you would forgive me, that you would wash me clean. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Make me a soul winner. Use me for your glory. I know today I'm a new creation. I know right now you're making all things new. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. Right now, all things brand new. It's a start.
doesn't end here. It's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. Get water baptized. We get we do water baptism next week. We can, we can dunk you in the pool next week. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Why do we do that? It's a it's a declaration that you're dying to the old self. God's made all things new in your life. So get baptized next week. We can sign up for that. I want to pray for you, and then Pastor Heather's going to take you. We've got a little room set aside just for you where you can talk and pray. We've got leaders with you. They're going to pray with you. They're going to encourage you. They're going to give you scripture. They're going to help walk you through what just happened. Don't be afraid. I know it's weird because you're going to a room, and yeah, 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 no, I know. I get it all. But we want to move you to a place where you have freedom to talk and aren't disrupted. So I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray for my friends this morning. Come on, stretch your hands towards these folks. Lord, they've, they've made a decision today to follow you. Lord, your word says that even right now, as they've confessed with their mouth, they've believed in their heart, Lord, we know they are saved. Lord, there is no question. Lord, if they if they have come before you, Lord, yield it to you. You have put faith in their heart to do so today. Lord, they have found grace in your eyes. Lord, that today is the beginning of a new day for them. Lord, we pray for your blessing on them. Lord, that you would anoint them, use them, keep them. Keep them in your word. Keep them in your presence, Lord. Keep them, Father, in in fellowship with believers. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go with my wife, Pastor Heather. She's going to take you on out these side doors right over here. If you came with someone, just have patience. You'll find them at the barbecue, I promise. You can just go this way. If you're still at your seats, I want you to look this way. There are people all around you that need to know They need to know. God's placed people in your path, in your life. Who's to say that you're not going to be the person that God uses to influence them for the kingdom? Let me close with this story, wrap up today. I'll close out with this story. I, you know, we were on another vacation story. And uh, I was walking the boardwalk in, in New Jersey, walking the boardwalk. Just give me just a moment. I want to encourage you with this. I'm walking the boardwalk. And I, and I walk into this store. I was looking for sunglasses. I literally, I'd gone to like five different stores for sunglasses. And I walk in. The guy's like, okay, what are you, you, know, what are you looking for? I start telling him what I'm, what I'm there. And he's like, well, what brought you here? So, well, that's an odd question. I said, I want sunglasses. <laughs> like, Okay. So that perked my attention because I thought nobody has ever asked me why I've walked into their store before. And we start talking and he said, yeah, I went to church last night. My wife goes regularly, but I've never gone. And I, I went to this, he tells me what church he went to. Happened, we were going to go to this church. We ended up not being able to, but I was going to go that same to that same church just to check it out. And I said, well, I was gonna go to that church last night. He's like, really? So we started talking about the church and found out where he's at with the Lord. And so I was able to, I spent about an hour talking to this guy in the store at a sunglass shop about Christ's plan for his life. You never know. You never know what God will put in your path. Take the opportunity. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.